my parents who drove up from Oregon and my brother and nephew um, over at downtown Seattle. And if you haven't been downtown Seattle at Christmas time in a while, it was magical. Um, every, everything was um, decorated and there was a little Christmas village and the carousel and trees and music piped out into the street and it was absolutely beautiful. And I had planned for rainy weather because it's Seattle and it was gorgeous. It was blue sky. And so, um, we met all together and we took the monorail from downtown to the Space Needle and we went up into the Space Needle. So I'm, I have, I'm going to bore you with some pictures. So Phyllis is going to help me out here. Just the first one. I put them in order this time. So yeah, so this is um, my, obviously Zoe and my mom and my brother and my nephew. And so we boarded the monorail and then we headed over to the Space Needle which would be, oh, so we're still, yeah. So I was really proud of this picture because way off you can see the Space Needle coming. And Zoe was so excited. If you haven't ridden the monorail, if you have not been a tourist in Seattle, you need to go play because it is so much fun. Okay, so then this is um, my brother and some extended friends um, at the top. And it was blue sky and it was clear and you can see so far. But the cool thing is, you have to go because they've finished the remodel and they have the glass floors and the restaurant level. Now, they're not going to put a restaurant in, I think, for probably at least a year um, because they're making too much money having people come up to see the glass floors. And my mother is terrified of heights, but she went um, and we took Zoe. And so would you go to the video? And so this is a video and it's a bad, it's a phone video but I'm trying to coax Zoe out onto the glass floor. And she is like, okay, nope, forget that. But then you can see how far down. And it is moving, yes. Um, but you see how beautiful a day it was. It was gorgeous. So then go to the next. She eventually got um, brave. And she ended up, um, the next picture, back into the... There's us again. Hello. And so I got her to sit with Ben. And you can, it's like, oh, that's cute. And then you start to look at how far down that really is. Um, and then Santa was at the top of the Space Needle. And this just was such a sweet, sweet picture. Um, Santa had like a spaceship um, kind of outfit and sleigh. And it was really special. Um, and I think, is that the last one? Yeah. So then from the Space Needle, we took the monorail back to Westlake uh, Mall. And we went to a restaurant on the fourth floor, dim sum restaurant. And my brother had it all set up. And we had kind of the semi-private room overlooking the city and the lights. And they just kept bringing food. And it was so fantastic. And I had some friends that were like, you are crazy for driving over with a nine-month-old and then traipsing around Seattle and then staying out all night. And you know what? We are crazy and we're adventurous. And there was some moments where we looked at each other like, what were we thinking? But overall, it was spectacular. And it was one of those memories that we get to have of being able to go to the Space Needle on Christmas Eve, seeing Santa, being with family, it was so great. So I just wanted to bore you with our family photos. There you go. Well, um, 
again, it's a privilege for me to get to share with you this last Sunday of 2018. And um, we've been in this series, as you know, entitled God With Us. And this morning will be the last one. We will close that out. Um, If you're taking notes, um, on the back you can flip it over. And the title is Endings and Beginnings. And that's it for official slides and points. Um, You could say this is going to be a pointless sermon this morning. Um, but it was a busy week. And so instead of, you know, being super tedious with points, I'm just going to talk with you this morning. So, well, I read that endings are for gratitude and beginnings are for faith. Endings is the way we reflect on our past experience and history. And beginnings is the way we anticipate what is to come. Beginning is an endings have profound impact on the way that we live our lives, the choices we make, the quality of our relationships with family, with our neighbors, and even our God. At the beginning of any great endeavor, it is critical for people to hear the promise and hope of the effort, a word to remember when doubt and fear arise, when failure and setbacks come, when conflict and opposition stand in the way of the endeavor's promise. It's the opportunity for us to flex our faith muscles. Sorry. Um, In the book of Joshua, we see a great example of this. The book starts out with Joshua stepping into leadership after the death of Moses. So in chapter 1, verse 1 of Joshua, it says, After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the servant said to to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, Moses, my servant is dead. Now therefore arise, go over this Jordan, you and all the people, into the land that I am giving to them, to the people of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given to you, just as I promised to Moses. From the wilderness and this Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites to the great sea toward the going down of the sun shall be your territory. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. Just as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you or forsake you. Be strong and courageous, for you shall cause this people to inherit the land that I swore to their fathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous. Be careful to do according to all of the law that Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left, that you may have good success wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened, and do not be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. See, God lays it out for the people of Israel with all of these promises right at the beginning. From here to here are your territories. I will be with you. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. Be strong and courageous. 
you will have good success. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. I would say that's a pretty good way to start out a new adventure. It's why most wedding ceremonies have promises exchanged. To help us remember the love and hope we had on that first day, our beginning of marriage, when we are many years down the road and hit a bump or two, we can recall those. To remember to be strong and courageous, that our Lord our God is with us wherever we may go. It reminds us of the faith we are placing in God, but also the faith we're placing in our new spouse. We are declaring that God is with us. That's why it's so cool when you go to a wedding of someone and you're with your spouse. And there's, there's times where the minister, the pastor will say, if you're with your spouse, would you stand? And it's a little bit of a renewal. And it's that reminding yourselves of that promise you made so many years ago. So those are the beginnings. So for the ending, we're going to head to the back of Joshua, the last chapter of Joshua 24. And we see that there's a renewal with the people of Israel. Because remember, from the first part of Joshua till chapter 24, God has done a lot in the people of Israel. It's an opportunity for the people to be filled with gratitude. And so that's what Joshua is reminding them of. He's doing with the nation of Israel is recalling their shared life experiences and reminding them who was the center, the foundation of their being. Joshua acknowledges that options exist in life and choices must be made. He gives witness to the one who chose him in love and in grace. And Joshua declares his allegiance to God who has provided deliverance to the people of Israel. Chapter 24, the end of verse 15 says, Choose this day whom you will serve, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Because if you read just previous to that, the people have come so far. They've crossed into Jordan. They've taken all the territories, and all the people have fallen. But then they start to get a little lazy, right? And they start picking up gods, with a little g, of the local people or the people from their past in Egypt. And so Joshua is declaring, he's bringing them, all the tribes together. He knows that his time is is ready to end. And he's saying, do you remember, look back over what God has done for us. Remember where he has brought us and who he has made us victorious over. And so he's declaring, drawing this line in the sand, for this day, me and my house, we shall serve the Lord. Well, whether our endings are related to the end of life or merely the close of a particular chapter, like the end of a year, what are we giving witness to? What choices are you and I making? What legacy are we leaving for the next generation? Endings have a lot to do with resolving relationships, tying up loose ends. But one thing is certain. In our endings, we Witness and give voice to what is most important to us. And in that moment, we have an opportunity to make profound impact on others, whether good or bad. That's why it's so important to have Testimony Sunday. It's a chance for us as a people to stand before each other and give voice to what God has done in our own lives. To mark time and acknowledge who God is, and to give him praise and honor. To be publicly grateful, 
no lip service, no hashtag blessed kind of situation, but more of a heartfelt outpouring of the goodness of God in our own lives. Because no one can come against that. What God has done in my life, that's my testimony. No one can stand against that. A God with us moment. So that's why we have them scattered throughout the year. We try and have one every couple, three or four months so that we can stand together and look back and mark time of this is what God has done in my life. It's good for us, but it's good for us as a people to acknowledge that, to champion that, to encourage that. So what are some of the promises God gives to each and every one of us? What should we look forward to this coming year with hope and look back on to give testimony? He has promised to supply our every need. He is guaranteed that he will feed and clothe us. He has promised to hear our prayers. He has given us the Holy Spirit to lead us and the word of God to guide us. He has redeemed us from our sins, given us a new life, placed us in Christ, endowed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, seated us with Christ in heaven, given us abundant life, filled us with his spirit, placed us in the body of Christ, promised us a way of escape in the moment of temptation, sent his angels to encamp around us, translated us from the realm of darkness into the kingdom of his son, sealed us with his spirit, who was the earnest of our salvation, caused us to pass from death to life, justified us while we were still ungodly, called us his children, caused us to be born again by the spirit, adopted us into his family, sanctified us, promised to never leave us, set our feet on the road to heaven, broken Satan's power, removed the fear of death, and guaranteed our future resurrection. Amen? Those are the promises he has given to you and I. Those are the promises we need to look back on over the course of this last year and give testimony to and to be grateful for. Even if all you do is write it down on a piece of paper or tell a friend or tell a spouse, I encourage you, mark the things that God has done over this last year for you. Take the time to be mindful of how he has moved in your life, how he has answered a need, it will amaze you and open your eyes because sometimes we feel like God's not really moving. Well, he is. We just don't always see it. So take the time, the end of this year, to recognize that, to recognize how God was with you all throughout the year. Well, in a few days, we'll be saying Happy New Year's or this morning, a few people are already Happy New Year-ing. But what are we saying when we say Happy New Year's to someone? Well, we are saying that we hope this new year is better than the last year. We are verbally blessing them that their problems are behind them and blessings are in their future. Would you agree with that? Yeah. Every year, people stay up later than usual to see the old year go out and the new year come in. I know you're all familiar with this, whether or not you stay, still stay up to midnight or not. In New York, they watch the ball drop. But I researched to see what other weird things drop on New Year's Eve. So in Indiana, it's a watermelon. 
a pine cone drops in Arizona, a pickle in North Carolina. This is a fairly new one, but you won't be surprised. A giant potato in Idaho. They've only started that the last five years, so they're slow to the game, but here we go. A giant ball of popcorn in Ohio, a beach ball in Florida, and a peach in Georgia. But my favorite takes place in Wisconsin, Plymouth, Wisconsin, and they drop a thousand pound piece of cheese. I think that would be cool. Who would not want to celebrate New Year's watching a thousand pound piece of cheese drop? I just think that's neat. Um, I read that an optimist stays up to midnight to see the new year in, and a pessimist stays up to make sure the old year leaves. <laughs> Endings and beginnings. Well, every year offers us a chance at a new beginning and offers us new hope. But how many of us really believe that, or more importantly, put ourselves in a position to receive that? Most people look forward to a new year for a fresh start but they carry the same old habits and hang-ups with them into the new year. For some, these last few days in December is the time of year that we go on a guilt trip. We haven't been too good lately. We've overindulged, we've overate, we've under-exercised or whatever it is. So we kick into the now I'm going to feel guilty and make amends, also known as New Year's resolutions. It's our fleshly attempt to change something, right, in our own strength. Uh, Things like, you'll hear a lot, maybe you say these, I'm going to quit, fill in the blank. I'm going to start, fill in the blank. I'm never going to, fill in the blank, again. Resolutions, right? A comedian, most of the comedians about this time of year love to talk about how they go to the gym and they can't find a treadmill at all. But just wait a couple weeks, and the treadmills will be, treadmills will be open again, right? Because we, we have all these great intentions. Well, a little girl asked her father what his New Year's resolution was. He smiled and told her, I'm going to do everything possible in this new year to make your mother very happy. The little girl then went to her mother and asked the same question. And the mother, with a twinkle in her eye, responded to do everything to make sure your father keeps his resolution. (laughs) Hmm. (laughs) Our attitude will have everything to do with whether or not 2019 ends up the way we desire it. If we do not believe anything will change in 2019, then it won't. A boy said to his father, Dad, if three frogs were sitting on a limb that hung over a pool and one frog decided to jump off into the pool... How many frogs would be left on the limb? The dad replied, well, two. No, the son replied. There are three frogs and one decides to jump. How many are left? The dad said, oh, I get it. If one jumps, then they'll all jump, so there'd be none. Dad, listen. If three frogs are sitting on a limb and one decides to jump, and the dad just looks at him, The boy said, Dad, the answer is three. The frog only decided to jump. Does that sound like last year's resolutions for you? Great inspiration and great resolutions, but oftentimes we only decide. 
And then months later, we're still sitting on that same old limb of do nothing. How do we get off that limb of do nothing? Well, we remember what the Apostle Paul had to say to us in 2 Corinthians 5, verses 11 through 17. See, Paul is telling us that if we are in Christ, that the old is gone and the new has come. All of this is from God, who reconciled us to himself. He is telling us that we are Christ's ambassadors. Therefore, if if anyone is in Christ, he or she is a new creation. See, the key words are in Christ. He does not say people that know of Christ. He says those that are in Christ. In Christ is an intimate relationship with the risen Christ. Because of Christ's death and resurrection, he offers us a new life, a new creation. Our forefather, the old Adam, offered death because of sin. The new Adam, or Christ, offers us a new life. The problem with most of us is we know of Christ, but we are not willing to live in Christ. One is according to the flesh, and one is according to the Spirit of God. And we know which one is easier. The creative process that is underway is redemptive and not destructive. All humanity was in Adam, but all Christians are supposed to be in Christ. Just like the ending of one year and the start of a new year, those that are in Christ should be leaving some of their old habits behind with the hope of redemptive change that God wants to make in us. When we pray, we ask God to take things away that we know are harmful, yet instead of leaving them, we usually pick them back up by the time we're done praying. I remember when I was a teenager, um, someone gave me a little tiny card placard thing, and it was entitled Broken Dreams, and you might be familiar with this poem. It says, as, a children, as children bring their broken toys with tears for us to mend, I brought my broken dreams to God because he was my friend. But then instead of leaving him in peace to work alone, I hung around and tried to help with ways that were my own. As I snatched them back and cried, how could you be so slow? My child, he said, what could I do? You never did let go. And how many of us can relate to that? So many times we say we've come to the foot of the cross and we've laid things down and we've poured ourselves out. And as we're backing away, we just kind of snatch a few of those back up again, don't we? So begin this year by leaving those things in 2018 that are not to be carried into 2019. This new year, leave resentment behind, leave worries behind, and leave your failures behind. So let's talk about resentment. Because remember, the one who suffers from unforgiveness is you. You were not meant to carry the load of unforgiveness from year to year. So let this year be the one where you leave it at the foot of the cross. Hurts need to be given to the Lord, not carried around. Let's look at worry. Did you know that worry, over 90% of what we worry about, never happens? It never does. It takes up time and energy and has no positive outcome. But I know some professional worriers. And you probably do too. 
There's two things that should be on your mind instead of worry. Okay, two things. Doing things that need to be changed. You, have, you can do something about it, so do it. Or realizing that some things cannot be changed and have the Lord show you how to deal with that. Failure. I believe we only fail if we do nothing or never try. If we are in Christ, then we are not failures. No matter how many setbacks, Christ puts you back on your feet and calls you a winner. But what is our part in all of this? Well, we need to be reconciled to God and allow God to be active in us. Ephesians 6 tells us to put on the whole armor of God. Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. Some of you have been, be- have been pretty beaten up this last year. Some things we bring on ourselves and some things were unavoidable. Change the things that you can change and trust that God in those unavoidable times will see you through. Um, My dad was a recovering alcoholic for most of my life. Um, He was an every other weekend dad, and my brother and I would go, and we would spend most of our time at a place in Portland called the Pass Club, and it was an Alcoholics Anonymous club, and it was open 24-7, and they had food, and they had activities, and it was just that alternative place for people who needed a little extra place to go. And um, my brother and I spent a lot of time with our adopted AA family, and we knew every nook and cranny of that place because my dad would go. He was a president for a lot of years, and we would help in the kitchen, or he would be doing a meeting, and we'd have to occupy our time. And my mom was never super excited about us hanging out so much at the, at the past club, but there were some pretty formative things that happened. Um, I think it was a really good place for two unruly kids to watch adults who are broken come and try and get some help and to be humbled in doing that, um, to get encouragement and to get healed. Um, my strongest memory of the past club, um, someone had painted on a really big wall, and it was the serenity prayer. And I think that in light of what we're talking about with being able to let go and give God that control, that I just wanted to read it to you and remind you of what it says. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. And I think sometimes we see that, we hear that, and we just are kind of like, oh, that's for someone else. But I was really impressed upon, in fact, I asked Jeremy, I said, is this weird to like use this in a, in a message? And he said, no, not at all. Because I feel impressed that s- sometimes we just need to hear the simplicity of, of what this is saying. So I'm going to read it one more time. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change. Do we all have things we cannot change? Absolutely. Do we fight against it and struggle even though we know we can't change it? Um, The courage to change the things I can. We know there's things we can change, but a lot of times we don't want to. We're comfortable. I know this. This is my little misery pit. And it's miserable, but it's comfortable, and I know it. So again, the courage to change the things I can. 
and the wisdom to know the difference. Ephesians 5.15. Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity. Ecclesiastes 3, verses 1 through 13, says this. And I can't help but thinking every time I read this of Footloose. But so try not to think that if you've ever seen that movie. Thanks, Candice. Appreciate that. Uh, This is what Ecclesiastes 3, 1 through 13 says. There is a time for everything and a season for every activity under heaven. A time to be born and a time to die. A time to plant and a time to uproot. A time to kill and a time to heal. A time to tear down and a time to build. A time to weep and a time to laugh. A time to mourn and a time to dance. A time to scatter stones and a time to gather them. A time to embrace and a time to refrain. A time to search and a time to give up. A time to keep and a time to throw away. A time to tear and a time to mend. A time to be silent and a time to speak. A time to love and a time to hate. A time for war and a time for peace. What does the worker gain from his toil? I have seen the burden God has laid on man. He has made everything beautiful in its time. He has also set eternity in the hearts of men. Yet they cannot fathom what God has done from beginning to end. I know that there is nothing better for men than to be happy and to do good while they live, that everyone may eat and drink and find satisfaction in all his toil. This is the gift of God. Solomon is telling us that God has a plan for us and a cycle for everything he has planned for us to do in accordance with his will. That's why there's a time for everything. There's a time and a place. Jeremiah 29, 11, I have plans and a purpose for you, declares the Lord. And I think that's important as we are looking into this next year to remember that there is an order, that God has a plan and a purpose for each of us. So back to endings and beginnings and God being with us. As we look back over 2018 and recognize and give witness to all that God has done for us, how he has healed us, how he has reconciled us, saved us from and provided us with, it should overwhelm us. It should cause us to pause and to be grateful. We need to take the time to be humbled at the promises that were kept in our own lives. As we read in Joshua and God laid out all of the things that were to come and then circled back in the last chapter and Joshua's reminding the people, as you're going forward, it's okay to look back and mark what God has done because that encourages you to then step out and continue moving forward. The God with us promises this is how we honor and give glory to God. And how do we look with anticipation to the new year? Well, I want to ask you to consider if the new year could actually speak to you, this is what it said. I, here I am, the new year, I am an unspoiled page in your book of time. I am your next chance at the art of living. 
I am your opportunity to practice what you have learned about life during the last 12 months. All that you sought and didn't find is hidden in me, waiting for you to search it, but with more determination. All the good that you tried for and didn't achieve is mine to grant you when you have fewer conflicting desires. All that you dreamed but didn't dare to do, all that you hoped but did not will, all the faith that you claimed but did not have, these slumber lightly, waiting to be awakened by the touch of a strong purpose. I am your opportunity to renew your allegiance to him who said, Behold, I make all things new. Would you pray with me? Oh, Father, we. Oh, Father, we. Oh, Father, we. Oh, Father, we. 